Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Believe in South Carolina is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Now, time for Believe in South Carolina. Michigan at the 41. What a hit! Ball's free on the ground. South Carolina deserves to have it, and they do. For the first time in a long time, not only are the Gamecocks back in the top 25, but USC is back in your lives officially now. USC. Nick, you see that news today, University of South Carolina dropping the um. And they're just going back to USC. Nice block C in that logo, too. Nice touch. I like it. I like it. And it's just an exciting time in general. I mean, I'm looking at ESPN right now. There's a 25 next to South Carolina. That That's just nice to see. I mean, this is the most excitement and one of the best teams that we've seen in Columbia Definitely better than my years at South Carolina, and now they're starting to really pick up. But, yeah, I mean, just trust the trust the process with Beamer, I guess. I know we said that's a cliche, but I, I'm going to keep doing it if it works like this. If you're just new to the pro- this podcast, I'm Mike Huber. He's Nick Klaus. Marcus is still on vacation. He is out of the country. He will be back, though, on Thursday. And uh, we're actually hoping to be able to do a show on Saturday before the game. That is in the works. So uh, stay tuned to that. But, Nick, wanting to hit on a little bit of last game before we start to look ahead to this Missouri game. Because, look, even though on paper, even though on paper South Carolina should beat Missouri, Missouri is a team that has three losses by seven points or less this season. Uh, I think we can recall one of those games in particular, where they should have won. And they fumbled it through the end zone, and that cost them the game in overtime. But looking at Texas A&M, and we talked about the keys and things that they need to do in order to win this game. One thing that really stood out to me more than anything about this game is, and I don't know if you had this feeling as a fan, um, and I'm sure there were a lot of people. I mean, shoot, I, I went to the game. And I had a unique opportunity to sit in the stands. That's not something I typically do. Mm -hmm. I sat in the stands. I got to experience that. That place was absolutely electric. It was rocking. I tweeted out a video of the field goal post where I was sitting behind. And there was no win in that stadium. And that thing was swaying. And it was because of the vibration of the stadium. It was absolutely electric. But one thing that it also allowed me to hear were some of the fans, once that 17-point lead started to disappear a little bit. And there was this feeling, and not just feeling, there were people saying it, oh, here we go again, they're going to blow this, oh, they're going to blow this, they're going to blow this. The last couple years, I've truly believed that, and I can go back to when I was a player in college, that is a real thing. Players sense that. When the lead's starting to get away from them, they start to feel like, you know what, what the fans are feeling up. Here we go again. We're going to lose this game because of what they've done this season. And even going back to last season in some close games, and I know they lost some close games and go back last year against Kentucky. And, but because of the the manner of which they've won some close games and now they're starting to make it a habit, right? Not to make the comparison that's going to get people all cringy, but look at Clemson. Clemson, it seems like the last couple of years and we joke around about the, the horseshoe stuff up their ass. They find ways to win games. Even when they're losing, you don't have this sense of, oh, here we go again. It's more so they'll find a way. You know, the Tom the Tom Brady effect. Oh, he'll find a way. 
that's what it's, I, I, I noticed with this team. Being able to be in a situation like that, things weren't going their way. After a couple of minutes, it was, it was great, right? Game started to get away from them a little bit. But I truly sensed that they didn't have that feeling of, hey, here we go again. And winning games in manners like they did over this weekend and like they did against Kentucky, Nick. We talk about culture. We talk about just changing the mindset and the mentality of a team. Games like this are huge, are huge. Again, look at Clemson. That's one of the reasons why they've been successful is because they find ways to win. And I, I think that is something that should not be overlooked from this past weekend. Yeah, and I think that we're actually starting to see, you know, we've been cha- changing the culture. And like you were saying of, you know, oh, this game's going to get away from us. You know, those are things that as players you can sense. But it's kind of a mentality shift almost, or you're seeing that the shift Bingo. in the program where that's not the mentality anymore. It's what do we have to do to win this game? We're going to win this game. And I, I won't lie. I was there too, um, and it was it was insane. I mean, that is the craziest I've ever seen Willie B, um, mm. especially getting there and seeing the kick return for a touchdown. That was ridiculous. Um but you're seeing that change in this team, in this program. Because even, even I, when, when it was 17-3, to 3, I was saying Texas A&M isn't a bad football team. So by no means is this game won in the first quarter. There's a whole game to play, and I know it's not going to be a blowout. Just based on the way the offense was playing, you know, you, we, I didn't think we were going to stack up points on Texas A&M. They're a good team. And it ended up not being that way, but they held the lead. The offense did what they needed to do. And the defense did and special teams obviously did phenomenal and did what they needed to do. But that mentality change and that, that culture that's been changing this entire time. I think that's what we really saw against Texas A&M where, you know, they closed out that game. They got the win. They, they used, you know, the fans, the, the South Carolina fans, everyone in Willie B was a huge part of that win. Beamer said it multiple times, but, when you just felt the energy in that stadium the entire time, I mean, it was almost uh, like, how how are we going to lose this game? Like, we can't lose this game. And all the fans wanted to do everything they could to win this game. All the players, you could tell, wanted to do everything they could to win this game. So, yeah, you're really seeing that change. That's what I'm starting to notice from teams of, of the past to – now this team and how it's changing and you're really starting to see you know that the beamer ball mentality and everything start to really take effect and it you're really noticing with Kentucky and now a second straight win against an SEC opponent against AM. The crowd certainly did their job. That was something that Beamer mentioned after the game. Eight full starts and look I understand you had a young center in there placing a start saying AM but I'll tell you what, if there's one fan base, one team that's not going to feel bad when other teams have to play backups in South Carolina, not just last year when it was quarterback roulette and you had three starting quarterbacks due to injuries and, of course, a fourth one by choice and the Dukes Mayo Bowl with the Gary and Joyner getting the start. But even at the start of the season, something that we discussed ad nauseum about the injuries that this defense had battled through. And that's one thing I, I do feel like that has made a difference over the last couple of games is the fact that South Carolina is starting to get healthy on defense. And, uh, you know, when you lose a guy like Jordan Strong week two, Mo Kaba, even RJ Roderick early on in the season, you didn't know Nick even worry would turn into the phenom that he's become. I mean, really, I mean, I, I, I love when people say, well, you know, I know this is playing camp. Oh, shut up. Stop that. Stop that. Uh, we have, Covering both college and pro right now, there were things that with certain players you hear, they, they always say the same thing. They're like, you know, it's not just one play. You can't really tell them until they're out there out of the game. That's been different. Throw DQ Smith in there as well. One thing that you brought up, though, Nick, it's really been bothering me for such a long time. I say a long time. This goes back to even last season, but it's, it, it's especially true right now as you're seeing the success from this team. That word mentality. 
And I guess you can blend it in with culture, whatever way you want to umbrella it. But there's so many people. And we, I know we can use R.J. Roderick, for example, and that's not to say this was the type of player, you know, that this would fall into that category. But I did see some comments when, when Roderick left. And I've seen this a couple of times with other players transferring or just in general in terms of time, right? You know, time since Muschamp was here. And people are like, well, we're trying to weed out the Muschamp players. You know, that's the reason why things are changing. You sound like the biggest bobo in the world when you say that. Luke Doty was recruited by Muschamp. Marshawn Lloyd was recruited by Muschamp. You know, I mean, we can keep going down the list. Kai Kroger. The carry-on joiner. We could keep going down the list if you Pick, want me to. Pickens, Birch, the five Pickens, stars we Birch. have currently. Luckily. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. I understand what you're trying to say. I, I, I totally get that. Okay? I totally get that. But it's not about necessarily all oh, these must champ guys. Like, they're weeding them out. No. What's happening is you're having guys in here that, yes, they played for Muschamp. They were taught how to do things a certain way. There were some that transferred in, and this is now their third head coach because they played somewhere else, played for Muschamp, and now they're playing for Beamer. But for the majority of this team, they played under Muschamp. And like we said before, I don't think Muschamp's a bad coach. Just didn't work out as a head coach. It hasn't worked out as a head coach for a couple of spots for him, but it just didn't work out here. And Marcus Lattimore explained certain things of why he didn't believe it worked when he was here. But I say all that because, and I know it doesn't relate to everyone's job in life, but in life with jobs, sometimes you're in a situation where you're working at a place and you have a new voice and it changes things, but you're doing it with the majority of the same people that were still in that building beforehand. So I bring that up though, Nick, because I, I'm just, I, I think it's just hypocritical to hear people say, oh, they're weeding out the bus chip guys. That's why things are changing. When a couple of days later, they'll start cheering for guys like Marshawn Lloyd, the carry on joiner. Again, go down the list, go down the list. Yes. Mentality, culture, those things are changing. But you can do that with players who play for another coach. And you're seeing that right now. So please, enough. Enough with the weeding out and this. No, stop it. Stop it. They're five and two right now. And there's a lot of guys that were recruited by Muschamp. And not only recruited, but played for Muschamp. And they're making a big impact on this team. So stop with that narrative. And I don't, I don't think that, I mean, obviously if someone is to say that maybe they don't know how many players are actually on this team that were recruited by Muschamp. As you said, we can go down a long list um, because a lot of the guys are, and I think it's not about weeding out. It's definitely not. Cause like you said, there's a lot of great players on this team that were recruited by Muschamp and I will give Muschamp credit where it's due. He knew how to get talent. I mean, look at some of the mm -hmm. players who are in the NFL mm -hmm. right now. He knew how to get talent and get them to South Carolina. We've talked about it before. We talked about it in the first episode Marcus was ever on. What went wrong? Like, yes, there were things that went wrong in that. And but you know, that's over. That era is over. I think the big thing is now with these with these Mushamp players. I mean, we're all South, they're all South Carolina players. They're all Gamecocks. That's what matters the most. And I think it's about the buy-in. It's buying in to Beamer's um, philosophy and his program and his culture he's building. Because, you know, there, there was a change. Beamer came in. Now this is his program. Well, a lot of these players like Lloyd and Birch and Pickens and Kai, Kai Kroger's a must-champ guy. Doty's a must-champ guy. But they have bought into Beamer and what he's doing and what he wants to do for the University of South Carolina. So if you're seeing guys go, I mean, who knows? It could have been the best thing for them. Who knows what's actually going on? We don't need to celebrate weeding out a Muschamp guy. You know, maybe it just it wasn't best for him. He wasn't buying into what, what they're doing here at South Carolina. Maybe he was. Who knows? But 
I think that's really where it comes to is it doesn't matter if you're a mush champ recruit, if you're a Beamer recruit, if you were a guy recruited all the way out in Iowa and transferred here, who cares? It's about, are you going to buy in to this culture, to this program, to the university of South Carolina? And are you going to give it all on the field and do everything you can to help this team win and to make this program great? Um, and I think that's that's where it really matters. Who cares about Muschamp or Beamer players? Who cares? Muschamp's, uh, sorry, Beamer has been here two seasons. <laughs> if you think everyone on the roster is a Beamer guy, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they are in the sense of they are following Beamer. There, he's their head coach. But like a lot of these guys were not recruited by Beamer. A good, a lot of them weren't like maybe they were recruited from beamer when he was at georgia or when he was at uh oklahoma but not not for south carolina so um that's just something i think the mentality we don't need to mess with who cares if it's Muschamp or beamer it's about buying into this culture into this program that they're making right now that's ranked 25th in the nation that that's what it's all about um so i think it's just about buying things and certainly times will pop up, right? Like a RJ Roderick situation where it's like, hey, you know what? I don't have too much time left in my college career if I want to go, you know, play at the next level. Or I just want to be able to, to play somewhere. And you have a young player that comes in like Mickey Minwari. I mean, it's the old uh, saying, right? You get Wally Pipped. Uh, Wally Pipp, of course, was the first baseman for the New York Yankees. When he got hurt, Lou Gehrig came in. Lou Gehrig was the iron horse. So I bring that up because – there's going to be situations like that. And that's, you know, I'm not saying you're saying this, but there'll be c- certain situations where it's not even like a buy-in thing. It's just, it just, just didn't work to bring a good, good guy. Yeah. But the reason why I'm bringing this up, the reason I'm bringing all this up though about Muschamp, because I think there's some people saying, why are we talking about Muschamp? Well, I think it's important to bring it up because I think it goes to show that when he was here, he didn't leave the program in shambles. From a talent standpoint, they had the talent. They have talent still in terms of quote unquote must champ guys. So I bring that up because, and it's a it's a saying. I mean, we got a bunch of cliches and, and, and sayings today in the, pro, in the program, but I just think back to something a Pop Warner coach said, and it's not like he invented this. I'm sure people that are listening they've heard this phrase. South Carolina had the tools; they just didn't have the toolbox. Beamer is that toolbox. Mm-hmm. He is putting everything together. He is organizing things in a manner in which, and again, this is why when you group guys together, when you say Beamer guys, Muschamp guys, I do think it's a little unfair because it doesn't, not every player falls in underneath this category. We're seeing that right now. But if I had to decipher the two in terms of what's a Muschamp guy, what's a Beamer guy, or at least in terms of how we saw things play out, when Muschamp was here, I think a lot of those guys, not everyone, not everyone. I think a lot of those guys were more worried about just going to the NFL and it was less about what was going to happen here. And now I think that's why it's a little different. Don't get me wrong. The offense, we can, you know, get, get more guys involved at times, this and that. But I think that's something that even the fan base, it's different from them. Why isn't player X, Y, Z getting enough touches? You know, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? But yet they're five and two. That's not saying everything's perfect with the offense. That's not saying everything's perfect across the board. But it's just going to show that they're doing things in a manner in which they don't necessarily care how they get the wins as long as they're winning. And the fact that they're on their longest winning streak in about a decade and that they're ranked for the first time in a couple of years, they're doing things that they haven't done in quite some time. I just think further backs that up. No, I, I, I 100% agree, and I want to say the thing with R.J. Roderick. I don't want to make the assumption of he's not buying in or anything. He played hard for the Gamecocks oh, for a couple years, and he he played hard for the Gamecocks. He's got to go do what's best for him. I think in that, we've talked about that before with the transfer portal thing. That's something I fully support. I think they should go, and he needs to go and do what's best for him where he can play, and he if he wants to keep playing football, he's got to do that. Um, so I do, I wish him the best of luck and, but I agree with you where you're saying, you know, 
you're noticing guys not get touches and things like that. And we're still, we're talking about things they should do on offense, whatever, but they are, they're five and two. They are ranked for the first time since 2018. And I'm pretty sure the 2018 ranking was like for a week. Um, and we don't know how long this one will last. We're crossing our fingers. It's longer, but, um, so it's the best, it's the longest winning streak they've had in almost a decade. They're ranked. They're playing well. And, I think that comes to where we've talked about with Beamer and everything is all these players want to win for each other. You know, it's, it's, I, there's not a lot of egos. It's a lot of what do we need to do to win um, as a team to make the Gamecocks the best team they've had in years to keep building on what they did last year. We heard it a lot at media day. Joyner talked a lot about it. What can we do in year two? It's scary to think about what we can do in year two with Beamer. And so I think you're seeing a lot of, it's just, there's not a lot of egos. It's a selfless environment of they want to win and you know, they're supporting however that may happen. You see, we've seen Marshawn Lloyd come, come to the defense of Marcus Satterfield multiple times um, because he sees the, the lashings he takes in social media Um when people are upset with the way the offense is being run or the, with the play calling. And he always comes to bat for his coach and says, Hey, he's doing everything for us to win. And he's like, sometimes it's our faults and we need to get better, but like, don't take everything out on him. And, you know, I don't know necessarily if that's true, if they're, you know, the play calling might need to get a little better. Things need to keep improving throughout the year, but they're they are a true team, in my opinion. They fight for their brothers. It's all about love. It's always been about that for, for South Carolina since Beamer came in. And they're doing it for each other and they're doing it for the University of South Carolina and they're doing it for the fans and all those all the people who care. So it, it it's it just seems more selfless. It's more of a what are we gonna do to win? Not what am I going to do to have the best stat line to get to the NFL? It's all it really. You talk to any player um, in the past year and a half since Beamer came in. It's really about that team mentality, that love mentality of doing everything for your brother and for your team to get that win. And it's it's paying off right now. The five and two. I mean, I'm honestly ecstatic. This is the best start I've ever seen. <laughs> Since I came to South Carolina, we've we've joked about it. I had some bad years of football in my time there, and uh, like my will, being at Willie B against Texas A and M when they when Xavier Leggett took that to the house on the first kickoff, that was the coolest moment I've ever had in in Willie B in my life in my all my time being there. Um, just because it felt so different, the energy was different to start a game like that. That that's not a South Carolina. I've been used to seeing, but this is what you're seeing now. It's it's a different team. It's a new team. It's, this is Beamer ball. It's, and it's extremely exciting. And obviously with the way that crowd was, you could tell everyone's excited, but yeah, I just think it's a real, it's a real team mentality. It's about, it's about fighting for your brother, fighting for your team. So I think it's paying off for him. And I think what's different because we did GC live talking Tuesday nights and I've also seen some comments on the insider forum on Gamecock Central. How is this different from when players were defending Muschamp? Well, I, I think the big thing that I just that just stands out is just the timing of it, right? When Muschamp was towards the end of his tenure here, that's when guys started to really speak up. And typically, the reason why that's happening is because players, not all of them, but a majority of them, feel like they're letting down their coach, the guy that brought them there. So I'm not saying that that isn't the case here, but I just don't think it's the same. I, I really don't. I really don't because we're seeing the offense do some good things in the second half, especially in these past two games. You know, yes, we can talk back about, you know, SC State and Charlotte, but I mean, we heard it. Right. We heard from people, oh, I don't care what they did against them. Do it against AM, do it against okay, they did. They won. They're five and two now. Okay. So I bring that up because it's not like and I and I think the difficult part is this, and I said this last night 
on GC. It's the offense definitely has its flaws, but it really isn't as bad as some people think that it is. And the reason I bring that up is because the offensive line, let's, let's, let's really break things down. The offensive line, all off season, all off season. I had to hear from you people out there talking about how the offensive line was going to be the Achilles heel for this offense and how they, they were awful and everything that happened last year. And all we told you all off season was they're going to be okay. They were learning a new scheme last year. They were switching from man blocking to zone blocking. They're going to be okay. If anything, the fact that you're bringing the entire offensive line back and then honestly, you have a sixth man, like kind of like basketball because one was banged up. You have to so much experience on the O-line. But yet, people out there, it's all they wanted to gripe about. And yes, they had their growing pains early on as they worked with a new QB. And what did we say? First three games, once you get past that, the growing pains would go by, things are going to get better. And I know it's not strictly just sacks that we're talking about here. But they allowed nine sacks the first two games. They've allowed five since then. So I just bring that up, though, Nick, because we haven't heard a peep about the offensive line. And if you're someone that's griping about the offensive line still, either you don't know what the hell you're talking about or you're just not watching the games. It's one or the other. So offensive line has not been the issue. I really just want to bring that up. Offensive line hasn't been the issue. Marshawn Lloyd has exceeded expectations this year, in my opinion. This is the Marshawn Lloyd that a lot of us hoped to see when he first arrived here, had the mm-hmm. ACL injury, was recovering from it um, mentally more than anything, I felt like, last season. And it was just only a matter of time of will he be able to overcome that mental hurdle. And he has. Oh, yeah, and 100% he has. has. I mean, so, I – oh, know, sorry, continue. I bring all that up. I bring all that up just because I really want to know – what people expected from this offense in terms of was it was it more so you just wanted to see more passing art? I get that. And again, this is I really just want to talk about some of the good that we're seeing from the offense because I, I think some people just get so caught up with the bad. And granted, special teams has certainly helped in the defense giving you good field position. But since Spurrier left, only one year, one year South Carolina has averaged over 30 points a game. So far this season, they're averaging over 33 a game. Again, I understand special teams will play a role with that. Defense making some plays, giving you good field position. But they're doing things right now that are actually better than where it's been. That doesn't mean you should settle for it. But I just think when people say, oh, this is so bad. When you really break it down, when you really break it down, it's not as bad as some people have it made out to be. Again. Slow starts in the first quarter from an offensive standpoint. We've seen it from a team standpoint how they've improved that. Kickoff return for a touchdown, forcing a fumble, obviously, against Kentucky. That led to an early uh, touchdown. But, Nick, offensively, that's what they need to do. They can get overcome some of these slow starts. They get better as the game goes on as a team. But what we've seen from these last two games, especially, because I want to use those games because they're FBS opponents, they're Power 5, they're SEC teams, they have done good things in the second half. And Rattler mm-hmm. looks more comfortable in the offense when he's out there. But, yes, certainly there's flaws out there. Certainly there's times it's like, what are you doing? You know, why do you do that? But that's – you can go with any football team across the country. Unless you're the greatest show on turf, unless you're LSU from a couple of years ago, there's going to be people griping about the offense every game. It doesn't matter how good you are. And also, I mean, I'll talk about the offense because I know that's what we want to get into. I will say it's a team game. So if you get a touchdown on a kick return, if you your defense is causing turnovers, giving you great field position, your special teams is making plays, and your offense can convert, the, I mean, the way they did against AM, obviously, you know, there was a field goal in one of those, could have been a touchdown. Those things tighten up in the red zone. Yes, those need to be, need to be improved on. But it is a team game. So if you're doing enough to get the win, then I'm I'm happy. What I will say is, yes, there there are improvements on offense that need to be made. And there's times you're like, what was that play call? What was that throw? What is he doing? Why is he still holding on to the ball? You have those questions. But I, I do think 
all a lot of the griping with the offense is because we don't play like Bama is because we don't put up numbers like Georgia or numbers like L, uh, like LSU did a few years ago or the great teams are putting up now because they have these amazing offenses. And I truly do think that's why people are some uh, some people gripe so much is because we're not flashy, you know, where everyone's like, oh, fun football, that's great offense. And it's like, yeah, I hope we can get there. But also we've seen our team, we've watched seven games of South Carolina football. And obviously that's not the offense we have. But so, yes, we have some issues we need to work on. We have things we need to improve. But I will say they have improved throughout every game, like you said, and played very well in the second half. And then also they've improved every game up until this point. And we talked about it in week one, I think, or after week one. The team you're watching right now is not the team you will see at the end of the season. And we're noticing that. that they've improved mm-hmm. so much throughout the year. Lloyd really broke out, and he is consistently putting up 90 to 100-plus yards a game. And, he, I mean, he's third in touchdowns, in total touchdowns in the SEC. Um, so those, that type of production has been huge from Lloyd. Christian Beal Smith came in. He did, he did some good things too. So there are improvements to be made on Rattler's decision-making, the passing game, um, because there, there are times he holds the ball, dips out of the pocket, and you're like, how is someone not open? He has t- this much time to throw it and then ends up throwing it away or taking a sack or something like that. And those things are things that need to be tightened up. We can't be taking, taking sacks like that. But I, I tend to be an optimist. I've always been one on this show, especially when it comes to Gamecock football, and you're seeing improvements throughout the year, especially because well, that's It just what- bothers me, though. Nick, it just bothers me because, like, the offensive play calling, again, are we saying that the offensive play calling has been perfect? No. No. There's flaws. There's times it's 100%. like, you know, why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they doing that? And I'm not saying at the end of the because when you want it to get next in the program, right, things are good right now from a team standpoint. But if you feel like the offense is holding you back at times, and I do feel like it is. I do. It's kind of like dating someone. They could be the greatest person in the world. Person in the world. But after a while, you just realize it's just not a good fit. That could be the case here. That person, unless it's so blatant. Unless it's so blatant. There's, there's people out there that feel that way. But again, look at it as a whole. Look at what the offense is doing as a whole. Why? Because Jaheim Hell's not getting enough touches or player Z, player out, whatever the case may be. Because you're upset that guy's not getting touches. We're not utilizing this person enough. Will you stop that? Really? Will you stop that? You don't think, you don't think they want to get the ball to Jaheim Bell more? Of course they do. It was so obvious. It got to a point where Jaheim Bell was lining up at running back this season. Why? Because what's the easiest way to get the player that you want to have the ball the most? The easiest way to hand the freaking ball off to him. To do screen passes like we saw this past week. They were spreading the ball around. They were spreading it around. Austin Stogner had a couple catches. Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell. They were spreading it all over the field next it's mm-hmm. just not consistent. That's the issue. It's not consistent. Yeah. And I, I, I bring this up because there's flaws, but it's not. It's, and I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying it's great. But I'm just really, I really hope people understand that it's not as bad as some people that just want to stick a microphone in front of their face or camera or whatever. Some fans, some people that talk about this for a living, some former, whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm, I really just want to hammer that because. Again, look at what we've seen over the course of the season. Look at the offensive line. Why aren't you talking about the offensive line? Why aren't you talking about the progress that Mark uh, that Marshawn Lloyd has made this season? Why? Because it's not the style that you want it to be. And you want a little bit more. And you deserve to get a little bit more if you're a fan. But really break it down and look like, you know what? There are some good things. And at the end of the season... If Beamer and his staff feel like they need to change things up, 
to get more from the offense, then they'll do it at that point. They're not going to do it right now. So griping about the OC, griping about the play calling to the point where it's like, this is the worst thing in the world. It's not going to happen right now. It's just not. You're and five I- and two. You're averaging over 30 points a freaking game. So that's only happened once since Spurrier has left. And I just, the thing is for me is I don't really, like, did you watch the offense last year? Did you watch the offense two years ago? Like, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty content with, like, yes, you want more. You want them to be better. That's just being a fan. You want you want to watch your team be one of the best in the country. But right now, they're 5-2. and two. They are ranked in the country. They're 25th. And I watched the last year's offense. I watched two years ago's offense. I mean, I'm happy with what they're doing right now. Yes, they're inconsistent. Yes, they need to improve. Sometimes the play calling makes you gets you upset. I, I'm a victim of it. I do it on game day too. I get annoyed when a play isn't ran the way I thought it should have been, or the right the play I thought should have been run wasn't. Yeah, I get that. But if you look at where they've been in the past, and even in this season, how much how far they've come, and how far Marshawn Lloyd's come in the offensive line compared to last year. I mean, those are things that just have improved so much that if you're griping like this is the worst thing in the world, our offense is awful, what were you saying last year? What were you saying two years ago? I mean, it was pretty bad. It was pretty bleak, um, especially the year we won two games. I mean, so if, if you look at that, look at how far we've come in this many years to be where they are now, that, that, that means something. And and that's that's an awesome thing that South Carolina coach Beamer all these players have done. Um, so I think we should also Whoa. be a little grateful for for what is going on and the progress they've made and that the offense you know they're doing what it's taking they're doing what they need to to get the wins in the situations that we they are. I mean the special teams is helping and um, defense is helping as well. But the offense is doing good things usually in the second half and. They're hopefully going to improve on that, and I think they will. But I don't think the way the offense has been playing warrants thinking it's the worst offense ever because it's they're doing good things. They're playing pretty well. And honestly, if you're going to talk about the offense being the worst thing ever, look at Marshawn Lloyd. Just just hang that. Like Just be like, hey, I'm a South Carolina fan. We have Marshawn Lloyd. I was watching Josh Pate the other day, and Josh Pate for the first time mentioned Marshawn Lloyd, at least in this year. And he said, that kid is good. So people are seeing what we've known this entire time. That he is he is a dog. And when he gets on the field, even against SEC opponents, he can put up 100 rushing yards and a touchdown or two. And he can do that against very quality opponents, which is great to see. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you could be, be positive about, especially when you say, Mike, like the offensive line we saw last year. The offensive line we're seeing this year. Look at that improvement. You've mentioned it so many times. But those are things you can hang your hat on and be like, yeah, this team's in the right direction. They're heading in the right direction. I don't think any of that warrants this is the worst offense ever. Yeah, it might not be the best. It might not make you happy all the time. But, you know, it's what South Carolina has right now. And I think it's something that is improving. And it's it's. It's going pretty well. I, I mean, just in comparison to the last couple of years. So um, it's I, think, growth. I think you should be, be happy about it for now. It's, it's growth, right? It's growth. And again, no one is sitting here today saying that the offense doesn't have room for improvement. They have a lot. We've seen it, right? We've seen it with the play con. This is no one defending Marcus Satterfield or the play calling itself. It's just trying to show that, hey, look, okay, who the hell do you think you are? Who, who, who do you think you are? This is a team that has played musical chairs with offensive coordinators. This is the first time, I think, four seasons, as we brought up at the beginning of the year, that they have the same OC returning. And it has made a difference. It has made a difference because we've seen the offensive line play better. Okay? Again. At the end of the season, there'll be a time and place to talk about what South Carolina needs to do to make not just the offensive line, or excuse me, the offense 
better. And if it's play calling, then yes, they'll do that. But what I'm trying to get at is, and I think this is the part that is just so difficult for some people. So freaking difficult. I don't know why. It's okay to look at something and say, you know what? It's not perfect, but it's not as bad as it may seem. And it can be vice versa, right? You know, it's pretty good, but you know what? There's a lot of areas where they can improve on. That's where this offense is right now. That's where this offense has been all season, really. Um, But they've made improvements, though, from the first three games. And we told you that all offseason, that that was going to happen. Now, do I feel like they're a little behind in where, you know, in, in terms of where I expected them to be at this point of the year? Yeah. I think that's fair to say. But I also think that they're doing things, like I said, the offensive line, Marshawn Lloyd. We didn't know what the hell we were going to get out of Marshawn Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and, I will, and I will add this to it too, Nick, that I do feel like with this team, that because of what they're doing on special teams, because of what they've done over the last couple of weeks from a defensive standpoint, it has allowed them to win some of these games where the offense doesn't have to play a full game, right? And I think that's the, the scary thing on both sides of it. It's scary because it's just like, shoot, South Carolina is fortunate for some of the things they've done on special teams, right? You talk about Mitch Jeter's, two 50-yard field goals week one, the two block kicks. Those don't happen. I don't know if South Carolina wins that game against Georgia State. They don't return the opening kickoff against Texas A&M. I don't know if they beat the Aggies. I mean, this is a team that easily could be three and four today if it hasn't been for their special teams. So I'm acknowledging the fact that there are things that they're doing right now that have allowed some of the blemishes on offense to be covered up. But I also think what needs to be acknowledged is the fact that they have an opportunity starting this weekend. We say this every week, but starting this weekend to put a full game together. And if they Mm -hmm. can get out to an early lead, get some offense going early, they could be in a better situation because they have shown improvements as the course of the season has gone on in the second half. And we've seen that in the last two SEC games. And I'd I'd be lying if I said, no, this is how I expected South Carolina's offense to look this year. No, this is not. This is, this is you know, less than what I expected with Rattler and everything. I was very high on Rattler in the preseason. I thought the offense was going, you know, to be to be much better than it was in the past years. And I really thought Rattler could light it up this year. You know, we had a much slower start than expected. And I, I totally see that. And I don't think they're living up to the expectation, but at the same time, you also, like you said, we didn't know what Marshawn Lloyd was going to do. You know, we, there were a lot of things we didn't know. We didn't know how the offensive line was going to do. We had to see it for ourselves. So yes, they aren't doing as well as we expected them to do, but they're making improvements. And, and like I said, it's a team game. So if you're de- if you have a gr- good defense and good special teams that are helping you get the job done, you know, okay, they're cut. Co- like you said, they're covering up those blemishes and they're allowing the offense maybe to under produce a little bit, but they're still getting the wins and we're waiting for that full game. But in, for me, it's just, it's a team game. Both sides, if the defense is playing very well, your special teams is getting things done for you. Offense is putting in, uh, punching some touchdowns in the end zone when really necessary. So those things are happening to, you know, do what they did on Saturday, be AM 30 to 24. So the th- it's going right. They're five and two. Like you said, they could easily be three and four, but they're five and two. So, I mean, this is a very positive, so far, this is a great season. Um, they just need to keep it going, keep improving, keep getting one percent better every single day, like they always say, and try and put a full game together against Missouri, against Vandy, and against Florida, and throughout the rest of the season, and keep getting better. Um, and it, it's all gonna work out. Um, and and on that note, we could start talking about you know the Missouri game. 
that that's a this is we're already on upset alert by the way for like everything i've read because um i believe we have not beaten the missouri head coach in the last three times we've played him once at app state twice at missouri uh so this is this is a it is a game that you know you could see South Carolina five and two ranked for the first time since 2018. They fall short to Missouri. That's something that's what we can't let happen. They've done very well last year. I talked about it all the time and it drove me crazy about how South Carolina could not string multiple games together. It was always win, lost, win, lost, big win, lost. That's what you're starting to see now is they're not doing. They beat Kentucky. Well, now they had AM. We were talking about that whole thing how they couldn't string two good wins together last year while well, they just did with AM. And now they got to do it against Missouri and keep this, keep this going. But I think honestly, with their mentality, with the way they've been talking about getting better every day, and we've been seeing it, you know, I think, I think they can go in and get a win against Missouri. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic, but Mike, what are your thoughts on the Missouri game and everything? I think what it comes down to for the Missouri game is that, look, this is and it is very similar to the mindset that you needed going into the Texas A&M game. The only difference is yeah. you had a week to prepare. So with this game, it's like, hey, look, <laughs> and how many times have we said this over the last couple of years? And it's very similar to what we said last week. So I know it comes across like a broken record, but what it comes down to is this is an opportunity to take that next step. The atmosphere is going to be electric. I would not be shocked in the next couple of days for it to be another sellout, which it's been a sellout every home game, minus the SC State game, which, of course, that was during the hurricane that weekend. And we got moved up to a Thursday. So outside of that, you've had uh, every home game this year. And you have an opportunity to do that again this weekend during homecoming. So I expect that place to be electric. Now, the big thing is, for the first time for a lot of these players, they're going to have to handle being ranked. That's something they're not used to. Mm -hmm. And I know that, you know, Austin Stogner, he said it on Tuesday, that, oh, I'm not thinking about that. We're not thinking about that. Well, he might not be thinking about that because he played at Oklahoma. Someone is. They were going to the college. They were going to the college football playoff for crying out loud. Yeah, you know? some, someone so, on that team is thinking, "Hey, we're ranked twenty-five. Oh yeah, because they're not used to it. They're not used to it. And I've always said this. Always said this. Rankings mean absolutely crap. Rankings are just for fans. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. Rankings mean nothing until you get down to the to the uh, to the thick of things. Late in the season, right? The college football rankings, these mean nothing. Coaches poll, AP poll, it means nothing. All it is is putting some friggin' makeup on a pig. That's all it is. It's just, <laughs> it means nothing. You know? So, look, again, it's great that South Carolina is ranked. And it, it also, I will say this. I say it means nothing. In the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't mean anything. Right now, what it does show, though, and it depends how the season finishes, it allows you to point to it and use it from a recruiting standpoint and say, hey, look, this is what we're doing from a progress standpoint. Right. This is what we're doing. This is everything that we told you in the offseason. Right. It wasn't just smoking mirrors. It wasn't just putting on stupid sunglasses and dancing around. There was some truth to it. So in that regard, yes, you can point to it and help you from a recruiting standpoint. But as far as this season goes, as far as what does this do to help this team right now, it's nothing. If anything, it's a distraction. So how does this team handle that? How does this team handle people on campus looking at them a little differently? It's not, oh, man, shoot. 23 months ago, they were two and five. 23 months ago, two and freaking five. Losing their head coach. And now look where they are. Mm -hmm. Now look where they are. So. This is totally, totally different for a lot of these players. It's going to be a different feeling for them. Yeah. Don't I mean, I, look I, at this game and take it 
you know, d- don't look at this game and be like, all right, you know, play a little too tight. No, just go out there and keep doing what you're doing. But these are the games that in the past, regardless of having that ranking number next to them or not, have been the letdown games. We yeah. talked about before the AM game, the Kentucky game, when things started to get away from them a little bit or didn't feel like they had that full momentum, that mindset sometimes that players in the past side of up, oh, here we go again. They have been over, they've been able to overcome that. Okay. That doesn't mean everything's good now, but you got to consistently do that so that it's just like, you know, going to the gym or riding a bike or whatever. You develop that muscle memory of if you're in that situation, you feel comfortable. It's not like, oh crap. These are other situations, just like AM last week, just like Kentucky a couple weeks ago, where it, it, you're going into a game and it's like, hey, we have a huge opportunity to take that next step. Is it going to be a letdown or are you going to be able to start finding ways to get over that hump? And if they're able to do that, Nick, those two things, especially that's how you turn a program to where it was 23 months ago into a program that's heading in the right direction and can do some more great things in the future. Yeah. And I think that that's my biggest concern is like you said, is going into that Missouri game with a ranking. Cause like you, like you said, you know, some guys like Austin Soccer said, I'm not thinking about it. Rattler might say, I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, because those guys are used to being ranked. It's just a weekly, it was a weekly thing for them when they were at Oklahoma. It was the normal. It's not the normal at South Carolina. There, a lot of these guys have been like building and hoping for this one day that they would be a ranked team in college football. So that that does kind of scare you a little bit when you look at Missouri, a team that South Carolina doesn't have a ton of success against in the past couple of years. Um, it's a game that could get you that, that just, you know, they go in, we're 25th in the country. We're a good team. People are going to expect us to roll over Missouri. And then what happens? Missouri, you know, Missouri upsets you in your own house. And now you're six and three, you're not ranked and you've lost a little momentum. So that's the biggest concern is they they just need to go in with the same mentality, not think about the outside stuff, which they they do talk about a lot about not letting any outside distractions in. But I mean, obviously, these are young guys. They're gonna. But they just got to focus on their job on the field and they have home field advantage. They have that crowd. It's against a, a team, in my opinion, that is definitely less skilled than them. And they can go out get a win and be six and two and just keep riding this wave. So I think they're in a good situation. I do think the concern around Gamecock fans and just around, if you listen to analysts and stuff saying like, you know, South Carolina is on upsell alert. It makes sense because you just got your first ranking since 2018. It would honestly not be a shock if, you know, Saturday night you read South Carolina upset by Missouri, just because that's how these things go. You get ranked, you feel good, you kind of you, you let your game go a little bit because you're not as focused, you're riding that high, then you come right back down to earth with a loss. So, you know, they just got to keep doing, playing their game, doing their thing like they've done against Kentucky, they've done against AM, and kept, like you said, riding this wave, keep going up their upward trajectory and going to this Missouri game, play their game, and and come out with a win, which I think I truly think they can. I mean, if it, South Carolina's favorited, I agree. They should be. I think they're the better team. But those those things can get you, and they just got they have to keep playing um, and keep out of that mindset of what's going on. We're ranked and stuff. And also, what you said about – it was funny. You said about the fans and the rankings are for the fans. I'm a huge college football fan. I love the rankings, so I totally agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge college football fan. I love rankings. Oh, it's a talking point. It's, it's for it's, fans. Fun. It's they're for fun. media members. <laughs> it's it, it makes it makes for discussions. That that's that's yeah. what it comes down to. It 100%. makes for discussions. And as players, right, and as teams, and we hear it all the time. I mean, you know, it's. I think the perfect example is Alabama. I think the perfect example is Alabama. Because they have been so successful for such a long period of time. Obviously, they've had the same head coach there for a long period of time. And it's the same stuff that he talks about all the time, right? It's rap poison. That's all it is. It's rap poison. So, you know, again, you're 25th in the country. You're not the, you're not top five or top 10, all right? 
But at the same time, this is a new failing. This is this is new. This is new to you. Like anytime you you do something in life, I don't care what it is, if your football team or just uh, personal life or your work life, whatever, and you you're able to achieve something, it can change your mentality up a little bit for the good and for the worse, right? You know, maybe maybe you did something on the uh, at the gym. I'm doing awful, uh, you know, comparing things here to try to, break. but you do something at the gym, and it's like, all right, this is what I was able to do. It might motivate you to want to get back to that point to get, you know, to lift even more, just have a new PR or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. So I, I, I say these things because it's so easy to get caught up with some of this. And some of these players are going to respond in a, in a great manner. Some of these guys, we're going to have to wait and see. We're truly going to have to wait and see. But big picture, big picture. And I said this a little while ago from a recruiting standpoint. This season means nothing when you really break it down in terms of how many wins, the losses, this and that, okay? It really means nothing, okay? This season, what it comes down to is showing progress. That is what this season means. So, yes, from a win-loss standpoint, it is so easy to look at that and be like, well, they made progress from last season because they had more wins this year than last year. Okay, I get that. I get that. But this year is about showing progress. They've showed progress in consistency on special teams. They've shown progress on defense over the last couple of weeks. We're going to have to wait and see what happens at the end of the year. But they've shown progress with even some of the younger guys that have come out there and have made a big, big uh, impact, whether that be DQ Smith or that be a guy like Nick Eamon Worry. Offensively, there has been progress made with guys in units, offensive line in particular, Marshawn Lloyd. Okay? So, at this point, at this point, you have made progress from last year. And I think it's evident because you look at the wins and losses, but if you put that aside and you just watch it from a product standpoint, they have made progress. Now, of course, the season's not done yet. We'll have to wait and see how things pan out. But this year is about finishing strong now, okay? This, this, this season, at this point of the year, it's about finishing strong. So that when the year is over, and even right now, and we can talk about it in a little bit before we wrap things up. I know this has been a little bit longer, but, you know, I had a chance to run into Dante Reno at Gillette Stadium the other night for Monday Night Football. I can share some of the things that we talked about on record. But this season is about, for guys like Reno, well, maybe not necessarily Reno because he's committed to the fullest, but guys that are getting recruited by South Carolina whether they're committed or they're on the fence and everything that you've said to me, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're trying to do. This is that you're able to show them that progress Mm -hmm. again, wins and losses. It's easy to point to. And from a fan standpoint, from a media standpoint, it's real easy to look at that, but it's much deeper than that. And we're starting to see those things. It's obviously a little bit brighter right now because the, the, the record itself and the wins and losses, they're making progress. So now you need to finish the year. You need to be able to get to, if, you wanted, if you're one of those people that feel like wins and losses are what are the barometer for dictating. At the end of the day, that's what you're going to be judged on, are wins. Yes, they are ahead of schedule in probably a lot of people's opinions and, 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 and just what they envisioned when Beamer first got here 23 months ago or not even, you know, less than that because he got hired in December. But I, I say all that, Nick, because that should not be forgotten. Not saying that this year, the fun that you're having following this team and uh, the fact that they're winning games, you shouldn't enjoy it, but realize what the big picture goal is. Mm -hmm. And that is to be able to compete for an SEC East title and then to be able to compete for an SEC title and then to be able to do more college football playoff. Dare I say it, national championship. I know these things sound crazy right now, but that's why you hired Shane Beamer. It wasn't just to be able to hopefully finish third place in the East. Because right now that's the way it, it looks like just based on how Georgia and Tennessee are, mm-hmm. which that's where I had them pegged to finish the year anyway, Nick. I, I think too. they're doing a good job. But again, remind yourself what this season is for. This season is a building block for the future. Yeah, and and we'll wrap we'll wrap it up right after this. I did I just also want to say we've talked about 
the Texas A&M game, and we've heard so many people from Rattler to Beamer to everyone talk about the the environment that was there, the energy at Willie B, um, how crazy it was. Rattler, I think, said he was like, that was the craziest game I've ever played in. Like, the fans and everything were insane. We had, I'm pretty sure, a lot of recruits at that game. There were. <laughs> there was a there long list. A list. I wish I had the list in front of me right it now. It was long. That is on, it's on Gamecock Central. There were a lot of players there. I believe, I'm trying to remember, Pop Howard said he was going to be there or not. Hopped on with us. I'm trying to remember now. Um, I don't think he – point being is there are a lot of people there. There was a that. lot. And the other thing too, Nick, about that, and I want to cut you off because I want to bring this up because it fits in perfectly. When I ran into Reno – at Monday Night Football the other night, because obviously, as many of you know, I'm doing two jobs this fall for uh, working for Boston, covering uh, the Patriots and some of the Boston teams for CBS Boston. And Reno gave me a heads up that he was going to be there. So we caught up before the game. And all he could talk about was the fact of how electric, because when he found out that he, he knew us at the game on Saturday, all he wanted to know is like, He's like, that thing looked incredible on TV. He's like, what was that like? He's like, that looked incredible. He was just so blown away. And I just, you know, again, when we talk about, okay, big picture, thinking about the, it's building blocks, obviously, internally, in terms of what the team's trying to do, develop players, get better, this and that. But it's also being able to create that environment. And the environment has been electric. I mean, just think about it. I keep saying 23 months ago, but Nick, you were a student then. Mm-hmm. 23 months ago, apathy had set into this program. And in maybe, maybe 2020 is not the best year to use because obviously the COVID season and you weren't able to have as many fans in the stands. I get that. Go back to 2019 then. Go back to 2019 towards the end of the year. Apathy had set in. So I just bring that up because. What we're seeing right now, it shouldn't be, okay, this is, this is the peak of Gamecock football now. You know, obviously the prime year, the, 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 the golden years of Gamecock football about a decade ago when Marcus was there and Stephon Gilmore and Alshon Jeffrey and Steven Garcia and Connor Shaw and David Clowney swearing. We can go keep going down the list. That's great. You want to be able to get back to that point and then continue to build off of it and make it even bigger, kind of like a house and adding an mm-hmm. addition to it. So this is this is this is good. This is good. You're five this is good. Two Very right good. Now. But 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 do not lose sight of what this means from the foundation standpoint. You're still building the foundation of the house. Okay. You got you hired you hired a crappy uh, a crappy service to build your home. Okay, it's just taking forever to build the foundation. Okay, maybe not the best comparison because someone's going to spin that around and say that I'm saying that about the administration. That's not what I'm saying. Trying to make a comparison to to hiring people to build a home. Okay, and the point being is the foundation. It's not going to just take one year. Okay, it's not just going to take one year. It's going to take a couple of years. Quite frankly, it's probably going to take about three to four years in terms of that foundation. And the reason why I say that, Nick, is because now you're starting to get more of your players in there. It's not saying that you can't get it done with must-chip players, quote-unquote, as we spoke about earlier in the program. But you're going to start to have your guys there. And at that point, we're really going to see what this team's all about. Because, look, again, must-chip didn't leave this team in shambles, this program in shambles like some people feel like he did. He actually left it in a pretty good spot from a talent standpoint. What needed to change was the mentality. And what needed to change was the culture. Beamer has done those two things. It wasn't the tools. It was the toolbox. You're damn right. You're damn right. And I think on that note, unless you have anything to add to that, Nick. Nope. We'll wrap things up. All right. South Carolina. At it this weekend against Missouri. A team who, oh, by the way. Oh, by the way. Yes, they are the towards the bottom. They are uh, basement dwellers, if you will, in the SEC. But this is not a game you should overlook Mm -mm. for multiple reasons. Your history in recent years tells you that already, number one. But number two, number two, the fact that this is a stingy, stingy defense. Stingy. 
So I bring that up just because if things are a little slow at the beginning of the game, before you get your remote and throw it through the freaking TV, relax, okay? Relax. But hopefully that's not going to be the case. Hopefully South Carolina will find a way to have a hot start, get off to a quick start like they have these past couple games. And hopefully this time, Nick, hopefully this time, even though it doesn't matter how you get from point A to point B, if it's special teams and defense, again, that's fantastic. But hopefully this is the week mm-hmm. that the offense are the ones to come out and get things swinging. And again, South Carolina proved on that stat we threw out last week. Five and one now when they are leading at the end of the first quarter against FBS teams during the Shane Beamer era. Guys, appreciate you listening this week. Marcus will be back on with us next week. And uh, again, we will keep you updated if we are doing that pregame show this Saturday. I might go to JJ, I think it's JJ Foley's. There's a place in Boston, the Gamecock Bar. So if you're a Gamecock oh, yeah. alum and you're up here, and maybe I'll see you over there. Maybe I'll see you over there. I'm not 100% sure. Nope, never mind. Scratch that. I'm actually working that weekend. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm anchoring that night. Well, in two weeks. In two weeks, we will uh, be trying to do that for the um, – Goodness, the Vanderbilt game, yep. but um, we will keep you posted. And if that does happen, that will be under the Gamecock Central platform, and we will have all the links for you guys. Um, since they have everything, we have everything all set up for that. But we will keep you posted on that. Nick, good talking with you, buddy. You have a good week. Everyone else listening, you guys do the same, and we'll do it again. Hopefully, in a couple of days against Missouri. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.